Hi, <laughs> welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is Behind the Scenes. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter, and we're on location today at Jamestown Island. I'm here with Bill Kelso, who is Director of Archaeology on Jamestown Island. Last time we were together, it was 2007, and you had been excavating um, a cellar feature. Um, what's, what's happened in the, in the meantime? What are you working on now? Well, our current uh, focus has been uh, on what it must be at this point, uh, the, a well that John Smith commissioned to be constructed in 1609. The settlers began to figure out that the water was bad from the river and so that this was a solution. And what's so exciting about it is that it probably had a very short lifespan uh, because of other circumstances that were going on in the colony. And so these artifacts had accumulated during the first three years, which were probably the most harsh and challenging years of the colony. And there it is, you know, just uh, all piled in there, armor, arms, ceramics, and some of the most unique artifacts I've ever seen. Now, this is not the first well that you found. It's not the first well, uh, but we needed to find another. We know there was more than one inside the fort, uh, probably three, actually. There's a hint of the record saying there are three. We had found one, and it appeared that that was likely to be the second well that replaced this one that I just mentioned that we're working on that went bad. Uh, so, uh, but we, so we found the second well first, and now we had to really prove that it was the second well by finding another one that, that dates earlier, and that's what has happened. Now you've got two wells, one is 1609, one is 1611. How are you able to tell a difference of two years? That's very rare in historical, historical archaeology to be able to do that. Uh, but we can do that here uh, because of the fact that uh, we have looked, we've looked at what we call seal deposits and then looking at the profile of the artifacts and, uh, and beginning to see, in some cases we're finding coins and other dated things that actually have dates on them. Uh, so that, you know, that begins to, uh, f to make this profile. We've been doing it so long that we, re we can tell what are the very first deposits and what things are, are after it because of, in my mind, basically it comes down to clay tobacco pipe styles. The earliest ones are very distinctive and they've been found on other 16.9 sites. The one thing is the, the, the earliest pipes are the smallest and tobacco was very expensive and so people, you know, you couldn't really light up for hours. <laughs> so to speak, uh, but um, the, pipe, the, the bowls can get slightly bigger, and the, it's just a style thing. You know, um, it's just, you look at, you know, the car models every year change. I mean, it's like that. So uh, this, it's clearly, uh, uh, um, there's a switch. And, and we found a lot of those kinds of pipes in the, in the second well. But, so, but in this, this well, it's all exclusively the kind that I think are, the, you know, these are the earliest. How did you know where to look for these wells? Well, what uh, the, our process has been first to define the limits of the fort. And that took years. Uh, and, now we, we, and once that was done, the three sides of a triangle, uh, where we have just taken certain areas inside it, one area at a time, exposed it and see what was there. We kind of felt like there was a well in the center of the fort, and that's where we found, found this one, although the center to the colonists was a little off-center from what mathematics would tell you was the center of the triangle. So we had looked there long, you know, years ago and uh, found didn't find anything. Um, 
but we were within inches of the swell. And how we can tell it is that the soil that's filled in the hole after the, you know, the hole is dug through the natural clay and, the, uh, and the, the material that's thrown in there, particularly this garbage and trash that we found that, that was cleaned up, has a different color and texture than the surrounding soil. So it leaves a, what we call a soil stain uh, that, in this case, kept on going down and down and down. You're, you're saying that the well that you are excavating now is probably the John Smith well. Can you talk a little bit about John Smith? What is the significance of this well being the one that was dug as he was in charge? I guess I'm asking what was happening in the colony at that time and how can you see that reflected in what you're finding in the well? Well, in many ways, this is reflective of the fact that he was a, more of a practical guy and that he isn't in charge of the colony until later, well, not in 1607. He was in chains when he got here. Uh, and and his, his um, pragmatism and his ability to adapt to the environment uh, is so important. Uh, you've got to think back uh, of the English mindset coming over here, uh, not realizing w what challenges there'd be in the environment, one of which is fresh water. And I always think, you know, the you know, Powhatan uh, or the, um, the nearest village here um, who met with the colonists when they first got in here, they said they landed, they decided to um, set up the colony on Jamestown Island. And the, and the uh, Virginia Indians said, oh, great, take all the land you want on the island. Um, because they knew there was no water here. There's no fresh water. There's no source. And that was a real problem. But Smith figured a way, oh, let's just dig a well, you know. And it seemed... The puzzling thing is, why did it take so long? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, uh, we're talking about almost two and a half years later when they finally figure out that, they're gonna, that they need this. So why is it important? Well, because it, it's an example of a leadership that's realistic. What are you finding in this well that is different from the 1611 well in terms of construction and artifacts? Uh, the construction is interesting uh, and different in that this was more than just a well. It was actually a building, a well house, or, or we'll call it a well house, was built fairly substantial, uh, 14 by 16 feet square, and, and, and sunk down five feet uh, before you even get to the part where they were drawing water. So it's a below-ground place to draw the water from the next eight or ten feet below that. Uh, and that it must have had a roof over it. So, so it's, a cell, it's a building and a well, and that is attached to... A building, this is an unrecorded building but uh, in the records, but uh, it was attached to a storehouse. We know from signs in the soil of where major post holes have been put in to support a building that it was attached to it. It was side by side, uh, the storehouse. Um, so it, it was, this is a center build, uh, building complex that was, that was a surprise. But we've dug to the bottom or close to it, and we're finding that the la uh, below the water table, there, there are no artifacts. And it's interesting. Uh, in that sense, it, I think it, whereas the other well was loaded with things that had dropped in uh, accidentally into the water while they're still using the well. So there's, many things are very intact. In the, in the second well, the first well, not so much, um, or basically not at all. So in the 1611 well, you're finding artifacts in the bottom of it that are maybe vessels that were used to draw up water that accidentally got knocked in there, pitchers or mugs or something mm -hmm. like that. So you're, when you get below the water table, that's something that, that sunk accidentally. But in the 1609 well that you're looking at now, you're saying you're not finding anything that appears to have dropped in. The art, all the artifacts came after the well had dried up. 
Right, exactly right. Yeah, and, and had been abandoned and probably for the second well. What other kind of remains or, or artifacts are being found in the 16-9 well? Arms, armor, ammunition, ceramics, um, glass, really interesting glass uh, objects. Um, it's, and then there are a lot of unique, unique things. The one thing that I think is, I think it's the most important artifact found on an American historical site. And, it, and it, it, all it is is a piece of slate about five inches by eight inches square, and very thin, uh, but it had been used as a tablet, uh, written on with slate pencil on slate, which is almost like chalk, but written on and written on and over and over and sideways and pictures and, and text and all kinds of things survive on it in some degree or another because the slate person using it, whenever he really would bear down on the pencil, it would leave a scratch that couldn't be erased. And very faint, though. <laughs> and uh, so it's like finding a book, and it's written on both sides. And uh, there are, I'm trying to think, maybe 21 different drawings of flowers and animals and symbols, um, and then uh, several lines of text. One side is, is, is a complete paragraph. Well, there was a paragraph there, we're getting bits and pieces of what it was and just beginning to um, uh, decipher the thing. Uh, and it's so exciting because it's going to take a long time to be able to read it, uh, character by character. It certainly is amazingly interesting. Why do you feel that it could be the most significant archaeological find? I think because it, there's, there is so much that you can interpret from this one particular thing. For example, the, the, the various pictures that are on it, a lot of it, they show birds, flowers. They're looking at a strange and different place, and they're trying to record everything, you know, that would, and to send back to England and say, these are the kind of birds and these are the kind of flowers and plants, you know, all are on there. Uh, and that, uh, and we haven't begun to really uh, in, uh, interpret these drawings and connect them to find, a, you know, really identify which kind of bird is this, you know, and what kind of tree is that, and so on. Uh, and so that's going to be ongoing. And then just to read the text. And it really personalizes the story of Jamestown. That's what's so cool about it. You know, I think uh, uh, you can read about history and it's kind of non-personal and, you know, this event happened and this movement was going on and all. But then I think people want to connect with history. So that, that personal connection, boy, then history just comes alive. Boom. What's your next step in trying to decode this slate? Well, we've taken it uh, to uh, the Institute of Conservation, Smithsonian, and uh, we've tried in uh, uh, reflecting light certain way of photograph photography that they do, uh, which will bring out more of the, it makes the scratches have a deeper impression to your eye. It's almost like 3D. Uh, and in fact, there is, then there's a 3D microscope that we're looking at to see if we can figure out if, does, does the drawing come before the writing that becomes before the flowers? You know, just to, to get a chronology of the use of the slate. How can people follow this story if they want to keep up with your progress in, in decoding the message? We're documenting each step of the research. Uh, in, uh, in it, we have a website that uh, is very complete and updated once a month. And we often say, you know, it's not, not what we find, but what we find out. So that's the deal. 
Bill, thanks so much for being with us. And if folks want to follow this on the website, that's historicjamestown.org. That's Jamestown with an E if you want to find out more about this. Thanks so much for being with us today. Okay, my pleasure. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. We like hearing from you. Send us a comment at history.org slash podcasts. Check back often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.